Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, June 3rd, and today we're reading from the Big Book on Chapter 11, and we are at page 159, the third paragraph, a year and six months later. Today's readers are for the 12 Steps, Terry H., um, for the 12 Traditions, Mary G., and reading the text are Sarah M. and Diane B. The reference numbers for Tuesday, June 2nd, 2020 are, for the 7 a.m., 14,732, that's 14732, and for the 10 a.m. are 14,733, that's 14733. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, <coughs> excuse me, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Terry H. to read the 12 steps. Terry, star one to unmute. Okay, sorry about that. Okay, <laughs> there you go. Good morning, everybody. I'm Terry H., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater through the God's grace, and I'm in Pensacola, Florida. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of our and five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends as such people who were ever possible, except when to do so, would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. And eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will, for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to do service today. 
Thank you, Terry. Okay, Mary G, will you please read the 12 traditions? Good morning, this is Mary G, compulsive overeater from Minnesota. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should remain autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to pr place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me be of service. I pass. Thank you, Mary. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topics and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 159, the third paragraph. A year and six months later is where that paragraph starts. And I will ask Sarah M. to begin reading. Good morning. This is Sarah M., a recovered compulsive overeater from Niceville, Florida. The big book. A year and six months later, these three have succeeded with seven more. Seeing much of each other, scarce an evening passed that someone's home did not shelter a little gathering of men and women. 
happy in their release and constantly thinking how they might present their discovery to some newcomer. In addition to these casual get-togethers, it became customary to set aside one night a week for a meeting to be attended by anyone or everyone interested in a spiritual way of life. Aside from fellowship and sociability, the prime object was to provide a time and place where new people might bring their problems. You know, that's the amazing thing about this program to me. It's that um, um, it's the fellowship. It's the fellowship that it begins with, but it's um, what I see in this is that we, I've, I've been given such a gift and to be able to pass it on and and um to others in whatever way possible um uh, but i heard something recently on a podcast that i love very dearly and it is i bring my i spend one minute on my problem and two minutes on my solution and um that's all i have thank you thank you for getting us started sarah and though Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience. So if you shared yesterday or the day before, please um, hold off. Okay, so who would like to share on the third paragraph on page 159? Harlan G. Harlan. Reva, Tina S. Reva P. This is Larry Reva K. P. Reva P, Tina S, Larry Tina K. Tina S. I got you, Tina. Okay, I have Harlan, Reva, Tina, and Larry. Who else? Sam S. Sam S. Okay, we'll take that as our first little group. Harlan, Reva, Tina S., Larry K., and Sam S. Go ahead, please, Harlan. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, uh, Katie, for your service. I'm Harlan G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona. This paragraph is extremely important and historical. What it shows me is that the growth of the program, although miraculous as described in the forewords and prefaces, was still slow, and they plotted through. You've got Hank Parkhurst, Bill Wilson, uh, Jimmy Burwell, and you've got Fitz Mayo in New York that are sober. In Akron, you've got Bill Dotson, Dr. Bob, Archie Throwbridge. You've got um, Ernie Galbraith, who's in and out, mostly out. You've got a very small group of people that are sober, and they're not in AA yet. They are still the drunk squad of the Oxford group. And in Akron, you've got T. Henry and Clarice Williams that are the ones that are opening up their home so that these guys can have a place to meet. By this time, the Oxford group was not so crazy about these alcoholics in their midst. They wanted business leaders. They wanted people of means to come into the Oxford group. And the people of means didn't necessarily want these alcoholics in their midst. So the fragmentation between the Oxford group and what was to be AA was already starting. But in Akron, you've got this home where they were able to meet. Now, here's another thing that's very important for me to remember. 
what is the purpose of a meeting? What it says here is the prime object was to provide a time and place where new people might bring their problems. Does that mean I'm to come in there and uh, complain and moan about, oh, I don't have this and I don't have that and oh, this? No, absolutely not. When they say their problems, what they mean is, the way alcoholism was ransacking their life. They can't stop drinking. They, they are being afflicted with this alcoholic life, and that's what, they're, what they mean by their problems. So, bottom line, I bring my mess to the sponsor. I bring a message of hope to the meeting. When I come to a meeting, my job is to make sure that someone who's new or someone who's struggling hears I have 21 years of abstinence. I used to weigh over 700 pounds. I have lost over 500 pounds, and I have lost it, and I am refraining from compulsive overeating happily. And how am I doing that? Through the working of the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous as described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I have never known as joyous a life as I have known in recovery. That's the purpose of the meeting. And any other purpose Time, is not really there. With that, I will pass, and thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan. Okay. Um, Reva P., you're up, followed by Tina F. Good morning. This is Reva P., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. I love this phrase, happy in their release. And I looked up the word release, and it means to allow or enable to escape from confinement, to set free. And that really speaks to me because the release that I have found by putting down the food and working these steps, it's not that I don't have an allergy anymore. It's that I'm free of the desire to pick up those allergic foods um, and that promise of neutrality and recoiling like from a hot flame. And that's the, um, the, the one component of the disease. And the other release is by doing the step work and putting my resentments and fears through the steps, which is now like 10, 11, and 12, which are all interconnected, I don't have to be stuck in resentment and fear. I don't have to do white-knuckled food abstinence, and I don't have to do white-knuckled, I don't know what, what you describe it, like sitting in a defect and pretending it's really not there, um, but being restless, irritable, and discontent. And that kind of release, I didn't even know I needed that before I came in. Because it says here... Um, Anybody um, who is interested in a spiritual way of life, well, I didn't really come here <laughs> to find a spiritual way of life. I really thought I was going to come here, learn how to control, and I probably used that word when I was sharing at the beginning. I wanted to get control of the food and get on with my life, which I thought was perfect. I thought it was just the food that was the problem, and it was totally the opposite. Um, 
Yeah, and then this business of um, a time and place to bring our problems. You know, we all have different life situations and problems, but that reminds me that there's one common solution, and that's what holds this whole thing together. Um, and the last thing is, you know, the happy and the release is intimately connected because there's an end with constantly thinking of others. And that's another form of release, that instead of working on me and my stuff and me, 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 um, it's about thinking of others. Totally, you know, everything is a paradox and a 180 degree shift in this program. I'm powerless and then I'm, be, I'm given power by working the steps and I stop thinking about myself and think of what I'm needed for for others, and I'm happier. So um, that's all I wanted to share. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you so much, Reba. Okay, Tina S., you're up, followed by Larry Kay. Thanks so much, Katie, for your service. Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater, anorexic in Florida. And wow, I heard some really great shares this morning. Grateful to be on the line, and you know, and I wanted to to talk about the <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the alcoholic being happy in their release. You know, me too. You know, uh, and and it is the freedom that I get from working the twelve steps of Alcoholics Anonymous for a transformation. You know, and then it talks about constantly thinking how they might present their discovery to some newcomer. And it doesn't say once in a while, every other month, you know, uh, once a year. It says constantly, you know, consistently, constantly, always. And how I might present, you know, how this stuff was so freely given to me, you know, and, and I present by demonstration. You know, I can talk the talk, let me tell you, you know, from Early on in my life, I was one who read something and read it over and over and was able to retain the words. Now, are the words and my actions, you know, congruent? You know, and today I tried, that, I tried to have that happen. You know, my demonstration of what this recovery has done for me so that I share for someone else. And I'm on the same page. When I got here, I didn't come here to be able to share with you anything. I was not one who was much of a sharer. You know, it was all about me, me, me. But today, more often than not, you know, the bright spot of my day, and that, that's the truth. And I used to think those people were just, you know, spreading some crap. You know, but it is the truth. The bright spot of my day today is when I can be a service to others. You know, when I can help somebody, you know, um, with something that's going on with them so that I don't have to constantly think of me. You know, I turn my thoughts to someone else. You know, and that's only possible through a power greater than myself and work, again, working the 12 steps and having a transformation, a psychic change, that I am no longer the same person I was when I got here. So today I think more of you than I think of me, you know, and I'm looking forward to hearing some more shares. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina. Okay, Larry Kay, you're up, followed by Sam S., and then we'll open it up for more people. Thanks, Katie, for your service. Thanks so much. Yeah, we constantly think about how we can present this to newcomers. You know, I, I thought, yeah, at first we arrive, you know, to program as simply kind of a snapshot of our true selves, you know, a, a person captured in a, a you know, particular moment in time. It's like a, a, a photo was taken from an unfortunate angle when I got here, right? And it perhaps had a sour expression on our face. And, and now, you know, there might be a photo of you um, in which you're glowing, you know, but, but see, both photos, however 
you know, merely a fraction of time, neither represents me in my entirety. So, you, you know, we come to program and a guide, a sponsor, others listen, they suggest, they nudge you along, they shine a light on the, uh, the spiritual pathway through their direct experience to bring other snapshots into focus, to shift my experience of what's possible with access to a higher power. And, and I sort of, you know, I sort through the snapshots and before long, you know, what becomes apparent to, to these images revolve around a common theme for me, spiritual disconnection. That was the common thing. And, you know, some snapshots are disturbing. They were. And, and glimpsing them reminds me that we all have a dark side, a shadow side, and others are blurry. And, and, and a lot of them, I didn't even remember uh, the events very clearly. But I do remember how they made me feel. And the blurry snapshots might even, you know, they help to gloss over my painful feelings, just like the food. And the thing is, see, what we do here, just what they did years ago, is a new snapshot comes into view, one of change and spiritual transformation. And we begin to trust this process because I saw you getting better. There was hope. And for me, recovery is taking the essence of that initial snapshot when I arrived here, when I felt hopeless, and it sort of gets smashed together with an entirely new deal, one of hope, access to a higher power. They, they merge together, right? And nothing's changed really since the 1930s. This thing is called recovery. And it's a beautiful transformation. And we still carry a message of hope in the 12 steps that they did back then. It hasn't changed. Nothing's changed. And people are getting better. They're getting well. With that, I pass. Thanks, Katie. Thank you, Larry. Okay, Sam S., you're up. Good morning. Thank you for your service. Hi, everybody. This is Sam S., Recovered Compulsible Reader in Bristol, Rhode Island. Oh, I, you know, I was thinking um, all about meetings when I was reading this little paragraph here. Happy and their release, a shelter. I love that, a little shelter. Um, and I, I was doing a writing exercise the other day, and, it, and the question was, what aspects kept me coming back in the beginning? And um, in the beginning with the meetings, it was the hope, hearing the solution. The interesting thing that I never heard before was that the problem was discussed in the past tense and that I heard my story over and over again, the problem over and over again, but by people that said that they no longer lived that way. Um, Definitely the physical recovery that I saw the markers that it actually works and it's not just people, you know, flapping their gums. Um, And the other part too, was I saw women that were honest, that were sane and that were normal, not only in body size, but like normal in their head, which I certainly was not. And so when I read this paragraph, I realize now as a recovered woman, that's my responsibility that when I go to a meeting, it's not, how much of my um, personal, um, what's a better word for it? Not just the personal dialogue of everything that's going on in the world of Sam, but um, I have to, I, I'm going in there with the responsibility in my, you know, three minute pitch or share to give a message of hope, you know, that there is a solution and that, thank God it's not me because all my solutions got me um, back further into my own problem, which is, also coincidentally me. Um, so I really liked that. And I, I loved that it talked about, you know, the happiness 
um, that comes in a meeting and sometimes I go to a meeting and I really, I feel like I was in group therapy and then I went five rounds hearing about somebody's personal problem. But you know what? That's my responsibility and my share to bring that hope so that when there is a newcomer that came in like me, that felt so desperate, out of ideas, totally not sure what to do and scared out of my mind because there's no diet plan that someone can say, honey, oh, I get it. Me too. And, um, and it doesn't have to be this way. And let me take your hand. And there's only 12 steps to freedom. So um, really appreciate this. And I'm going to bring this to um, certainly the next meeting I go to so that hopefully I can um, give that little glimmer of hope to someone so that they know, you know, there is another side to it and we don't have to do it alone. So thank you. With that, I pass. Thank you, Sam. Okay, so although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day. So if you shared yesterday or the day before, please hold off um, so that we others might share their experience. And we're on page 159, the third paragraph, a year and six months later. So who would like to share? Elizabeth. Uh, Elena C. Elena C. Okay, I heard Elena C. Andrea S. Andrea S. Elizabeth D. Elizabeth D. We can take a few more. Bob H. Bob H. Hi, okay. it's Heidi well, L. from Toronto. Gloria Heidi K. L. And Gloria K. Okay, let's stop there for now. So I have Elena C., Andrea S., Elizabeth D., Bob H., or Rob H., I'm not sure, Heidi L., and Gloria K. Go ahead, please, Elena. My name is, good morning. Uh, my name is Elena C., um, and I'm a gracefully recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And I um, love this paragraph, and when I read it, I am so happy uh, for these people, these friends that get together, you know, and I've always wanted that kind of connection with others. And, um, and these people are constantly thinking how they might present their discovery to some newcomer. Like someone else said, it's not like a occasional, let's see how we can help somebody else, you know, it's like, okay, so now we know that we, the, our sobriety and emotional sobriety particularly depends upon how we carry the message. And so we need to do this constantly every day. And it's a reminder for me that I need to do that, that I need to taper into my spiritual entity in the morning when I get up throughout the day and when I go to sleep and um and you know then the atmosphere of camaraderie and friendship and like altruism it's the energy that's healing um and you know another thing is these they were they were slow it was a year and six months until they found so many people you know, and my, I'm thinking about little by little, little by little. It's like my recovery, our recovery. It's little by little. It does not have to be at the speed of light. 
it has to be little by little and sure um, that one tiny footing step but another and sometimes I might go backwards a little bit but then I can always I have tools to continue my my path and um, the last paragraph that I want to comment on um, the prime object was to provide a time and place where new people might bring their problem. So the only way we're going to make it as compulsive overeaters is if we form our own, own fellowship by carrying the message. And that's the ultimate purpose of our program, the altruism, helping another without expecting anything in return other than to take, you know, to, to carry our message that it was given to us by other people. And um, that's just how we stay in God's chain. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Elena. Okay, Andrea S., you're up, followed by Elizabeth D. Thank you. Good morning, fellows. I'm Andrea S., recovered in New Jersey. I'm hearing about the importance of the fellowship for each of us for showing up. That uh, This tells me that each of us, or at least each of these guys, main, help maintain their recovery through meetings like this one that we're on, but um, showing up isn't always easy or automatic for me. I'm thinking about those lonely times when I was a newcomer. I didn't want to show up. I mean, I I did feel better when I attended, when I somehow got myself into the meeting or, you know, even more pathetic, just pick up the phone and got on a meeting because now it's with technology like the phone, it's so easy. Um, but... So, okay, yeah, I'd go to a meeting and I'd feel soothed, but then it was another uphill battle to get to another meeting. For me, that's how it was for me. Um, so I always was thinking, of course, the food is the obstacle that's in the way. I kept thinking about the food, the food, the food. It's about the food. But underneath and behind the food was the loneliness, the self-loathing, the compulsion to hide. So, like, in addition to eating compulsively, I would isolate compulsively and the disease would keep me there stuck and, and hating it and staying there, feeling wretched and ironically feeling my most comfortable in my dis-ease because stepping forward was ugh, ugh. So, but slowly as I worked through the steps, the first time I got used to talking to another fellow, my sponsor, and then I became, began to create, crave more fellowships, these beautiful meetings. And I also understood, um, understood like not so much in my head, but felt it inside me that I had something to bring to the fellowship. No matter where I was in my program, my recovery, I had something to bring about when I was relapsing. I have something to bring today about hiding and fretting and um, myself hating while I was isolating. So I'm now, to, to wrap up, this, I'm now thinking about the seven-step prayer. It suggests that I asked God to make me useful to him and my fellows. Useful, not perfect, so I get to show up being useful um, because I, when I think that I have to be perfect, which is impossible, that means I'm also thinking that my isolation wasn't useful. So I've got to be perfect if I'm showing up to a meeting. No, no, no. no, I finally got that 
exactly things like talking about my isolation is useful to me so that I could identify it and so that if somebody else identifies with it, it might be useful. Um, so I now get to practice usefulness when I attend meetings and when I share with someone else on an outreach call or when I walk with a sponsee through the steps. Um, for me, it's useful, and that's what the meetings can be for me. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Andrea. Okay, Elizabeth D., you're up, followed by Bob H. Good morning. Can I be heard? Yes. Uh, thank you, and thank you for your service. Good morning. My name is Elizabeth D. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in the Boston area. Um, no, I came into Overeaters Anonymous in 1987. I was about 27, 28 years old. And I came in under the um, advice with, um, to the direction of a psychiatrist. At the time, I was um, suffering uh, with depression and anxiety and um, was also complaining that I'd had a lifelong weight problem. And clearly, she knew that I had body dysmorphia and so forth. Um, at the time. And what she said to me was, look, I think you should go to Overeaters Anonymous in addition to our, our sessions. And I said, well, what, what is Overeaters Anonymous? I had no idea. I had no, no concept of, of these programs. And she said, quote, um, you should go to Overeaters Anonymous because, quote, it's the best free therapy you'll ever, you'll receive anywhere. And that actually is interesting because it pointed to a trend that I've learned about in the 70s and the 80s when managed care started to become started to take off, the psychiatric community began suggesting that their patients their mo um, start attending 12-step fellowships because it was free therapy. And this kind of coincided with the deinstitutionalization around the country. And there's a huge influx from what I understand. And the historians in our fellowship can go into much more detail about this. But there's a huge influx of people into our meetings. Um, and um, what the meetings became, the 12-step meetings, was really a form of group therapy for, for hundreds of thousands of people, which is not a bad thing. But um, I remember um, in my first two years in OA, the big book was never cracked. We didn't, I barely knew what it was. And so in those first 10 years, I kind of used the a la carte method. You know, I took a little of this and a little of that. Um, but most of the time, I came together with others to complain about my problems. I didn't get very aware, and my disease progressed. But also... What has happened over time is that our fellowships have progressed. There's been a movement back to the big book. So by the time I was absolutely prostrate, desperate, after years and years of relapse and a progression of my disease in 2015, I got on this line where the big book was the focus, abstinence and the big book. And what I have come to understand about the purpose of our meetings is that I need to be constantly thinking about how I might bring and to this meeting, to any meeting that I'm attending, my discovery of what helped me with my compulsive overeating, what solved my problem finally after 40 years of struggling with disease, I found a solution. So today, I understand. It's so fascinating to me that we're going to do, that we are on this chapter where we are learning about what Hi, is please. the ultimate, thank you, what is the essential purpose of our meetings? And the essential purpose of our meetings is the newcomer. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Elizabeth. Okay, Bob H., you're up, followed by Heidi L.
Bob Star one, eight. please. Thank yeah, you, Bob. Bob Go ahead. Oh, good. Well, uh, I'm excited to uh, be here, uh, and uh, I'm a newcomer, and uh, and I'm just finding my way around. Uh, uh, how? But I'm excited about a vision for you, our, our, the meetings that we have, and uh, the thing I hear so clear, which is really attractive me, is hope. And I, I like the way people have actually have abstinence and say, you know, that they're recovered. That's what I want in my life is recovery. Uh, I don't want to be playing around with uh, uh, in recovery. I want to be recovered. And so I can, start, you know, have, have a life that uh, is free from the obsession of food. And, uh, of course, right now I'm a newcomer and I'm still sloshing around in the food. But I'm I'm doing something different. I'm sloshing around in this program, and I'm coming to meetings. You know, I'm out I'm out in California, so it's uh you know it's a little after four o'clock out here, and uh, but uh, it's well worth it. I'm so uh, so uh, I feel so blessed to uh, have uh, have uh, found these meetings, and uh, I'm going to keep coming back, and I'm going to uh, uh, I'm looking for a sponsor, and uh, and uh, you know I want to do what you guys are doing because I want what you guys got. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Bob. And as we say, welcome home. So uh, next we have Heidi L. followed by Gloria K. Hi there. This is Heidi L. from Toronto. And I just want to say that when I was reading that, I thought if I was in those groups, I would have not shown up. Um, I'm really glad that I am a compulsive eater today in this time because um, I would not have had faith in those groups and I would have said, ah, you guys are all just, this isn't going to work, so let's just do something else. So I really like the image of the cozy, nice meeting of a few people sitting in someone's house. It sounds really sweet and cozy and I would not have participated I mean, I don't know, but I, I don't think I would have participated, and I'm really happy that I can be here now today, and I'm grateful to all of you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Heidi. Gloria Kay, you're up, and then we'll have a time for a few more. Gloria, star one. Hi, this is Gloria Kay, uh, recovered. Um, in South Florida. Um, I started early in the program 33 years ago, and we were doing the big book then, not not as thoroughly, but we, we did everything out of the big book. Anyway, I like the idea of a small group getting together, and it seems like what, what they're saying is that the main purpose is the spirituality and to share with the newcomer. That's what I get from this paragraph, that... Um, so, and I could say that when I came into program, that my friends that I made, they're my lifelong friends. And some of the people are, they're, of course, we're like family. Uh, and the fellowship and the sociability is, is it's wonderful. And that's what's, um, I guess, right now with this virus, ha- having that distance, it's hard. But I just feel so connected to the people that I speak to on the phone. Because I love them, they love me, we have each other's back, and I love the program, and that's it. 
it's about um, it's about the spirituality and having support and love and fellowship to uh, to recover. That's all I got for today. Have a wonderful day. Bye now. Thank you, Gloria. Okay, so if you just joined us, um, we ask that you share only every third day, but we're on the third paragraph on page 159, a year and six months later. So we have time for five more shares. Who would like Christina to share? J. Christina J. Christine. Got you, Christina J. Susan I'm R. Susan R. Barb B. Barb B. Star one to unmute. We have we have room for a couple more. Not my dog. Okay. No. Okay. Go ahead, Christina J. Followed by Susan R. Good morning. Thank you for your service, Christina J. Recovered for today in the state of Washington. There's nothing so precious as hope in an addict's life. Um, I bounced around diet rooms all of my life and in and out of going to Weight Watchers and having that two pounds or four pounds and people clapping. It was all about the food. And um, then I would go out into the world and white-knuckle it for the next week and um, live on the high of losing weight but was always restless, irritable, and discontent, didn't know what was wrong, always craving, craving, craving. So why didn't those rooms hold me? Because they didn't have comfort. They didn't have shelter. They didn't have people in the rooms that um, could understand me. Uh, Maybe there was other people in there that had cravings and were struggling. I'm sure there was, but nobody was talking about that. Um, So the word that really stuck out for me as this paragraph opens here Someone's home, did. there was a scarce an evening passed that someone's home didn't have shelter, did not shelter, shelter, a place of knowing I could share anything. And as I went into program and I realized that I didn't have anywhere else to go, why did I keep going back to the rooms after going out and losing abstinence again and coming back? Because I knew I could come in and I'd have understanding. And there was people in there that were happy in their release, and they gave me that precious hope that someday I could get this, even though I thought maybe I was one of the unfortunates. Uh, I was constantly hearing about their recovery. Um, I'm just so blown away by that word shelter, because you, you guys here in the meetings that I used to be able to go to live, it's a shelter for me. And I could share my relapses and not be ashamed and guilty, because there's nobody on this line that's going to judge me and say, oh, she did it again. She went out again. She just can't get it. Poor thing. You know, that's not what we have here. We have understanding and compassion. And that's what these meetings begin to be about for these people. Um, And what was um, really pressed, I think, in these meetings was that spiritual way of life. And um, I just took a long time to be able to surrender myself to that. I had a spiritual way of life, but I wasn't practicing, per se, a spiritual way of life. So I learned that from you guys in this meeting, and I learned it from God just taking me down to one of the deepest depths I've ever been able to handle, uh, the bottom where I was just licking the dirt and throwing up in the backyard. I'm not a bulimic, but I was trying to get rid of the food because it was making me totally unable to function. 
Um, so fellowship and sociability. And why do we come here? Because we understand and we want to share what we found with others. I mean, we get excited um, and we can bring our problems, as Harlan G. said earlier, about our eating and have other people understand Time. and help us through. So um, this is a shelter for me, and I appreciate everyone, and I love you all, and thank you. Thank you, Christina. Okay, Susan R., you're up, followed by Barb B. Oh, I'm I'm Susan R. I'm a compulsive overeater from Vermont, and I am really new to this program, and I'm just starting in detox right now. I do have a sponsor. But what I wanted to say is when I read this, um, first, the first opening sentence, a year and six months later, people, it shows the sustainability and not giving up and just the spiritual, the belief to keep on going. Um, this home that they talk about, this living room, this is us. This is all of us. We're in a living room, a virtual living room, and we're sharing our spirituality, our experiences, and supporting each other. Even though we can't see our faces, we don't know who we are. It's an invisible thread that connects all of us. And that's all I want to say. I'm very grateful because I feel connected to you even though I don't know you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Susan, and welcome. And Barb B., you're up. Good morning, everyone. I'm glad that you're here. Um, I just want to say that I was in a meeting, I don't know how, a while ago, where I heard that hope was a muscle. And when my sponsor has always said, when you go to a meeting, you share your experience, strength, and hope. And sometimes it's not just the newcomer who needs my hope. Sometimes it's somebody who's been there a long time, somebody that's been out of the rooms and has come back. But what I've learned in this program is when I share experience, strength, and hope, it strengthens me. It's a gift that I receive from doing that service. And I never thought about that before, but hope is a muscle. And experience, strength, and hope are muscles that I want to strengthen in my program to share with others. And I'm just so grateful everyone's here. And I want to thank you for sharing. And thank you, everyone, for your service. And I hope everybody has a blessed day. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Barb. <clears throat> so it is 7.47, so we have time for two or three more shares. Who would like to take those spots on page 159, the Robin, third paragraph? Robin P., uh, New York. Robin P. Sheila O. M., I'm sorry. Sheila. Oh, I'm sorry. Sheila O.? Yes. Okay, and then there was someone else, I think. Pete B. Pete B. Okay. So go ahead, please, Robin P. and then Sheila O. I'm sorry, it's Robin M. That's my maiden name. Oh, Robin M. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Uh, Don't know I'm your name. That's okay. <laughs> a recovered, um, happily recovered um, 
overeater and bulimic. I um I woke up this morning and I was kind of anxious. Um, I was definitely anxious. So I said prayer and did my normal morning stuff and then I thought I have to get on a meeting this morning. I have to get on a seven o'clock meeting. Um, and I and I love the fact that people said this was home because it, it is a home and it is um it's a place to go to renew um and be renewed by all the people. Um one of the things that I was am so grateful for is the um hope that I didn't even think about using food this morning. It, I use, I thought about using the 12 steps and the, and the programs, um, gifts that I have, and I am was so grateful for that. Thank you. That's that's all. Thank you for being of service. Thank you, Robin M. And Sheila O., you're up, followed by Pete B. This is Sheila O., Okay. I'm a compulsive overeater from Massachusetts, and um, I'm doing my um, fifth step with my sponsor this week, and um, I'm just very grateful for my recovery. And I was reading in here about the women um, that were attending, and I know when all the time I spent in Al-Anon in their history, the women were gathered there also, and um, Lois talked about them taking over the kitchens. And uh, what a wonderful thing, you know, the seeds, um, the seeds of faith that, you know, uh, God was uh, showering down on them. They didn't know <laughs> that they didn't know what was going to happen from here on in that what was going to happen with the fellowship and, and all that. And then on the bottom, it says, besides these spiritual, these casual get togethers, it became customary to spend one night a week for anyone interested in a spiritual way of life. And, um, you know, I'm sure they had a lot of, work to do on themselves like I do and um, as my faith and trust um, wavers at times and um, just uh, to be able to be with people and to talk with my sponsor about um, my my disease of addiction and the food and everything like that. I know that God is there. We pray before we we start sharing and we pray a little prayer at the end. And um, I'm just really, really grateful. But I was just thinking of whatever house they were in, um, how wonderful. And that they were together in different rooms and they were, you know, recovering together. And and it says in the previous paragraph that they didn't, when the other person, maybe the man was failing, but they still included um, the families. So um, I just see, you know, God was at work. So thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you so much, Sheila. Okay, Pete B., you'll be our last sharer today. Thank you, moderator. My name is Pete B. I'm a compulsive overeater recovered today by God's grace and mercy. Thanks for taking the meeting. You did such a great job. 
And uh, so what this reading is telling me is that there are, there are essentially three reasons for these meetings, right? And, and the three reasons are fellowship, sociability, and to provide time and place for new people so that new people can bring their problems, right? And that's the primary reason for the meeting. Right, the primary reason for the meeting, and I, I, it, it makes me reflect on what what uh, what it says about our twelfth step, and what our essay in the AA twelve and twelve says about what we're supposed to do as recovered individuals when we are in these meetings. And it says that we sit in AA meetings and listen, not only to receive something ourselves, to, but but to give the reassurance and support which our presence can bring. If our turn comes to speak at a meeting, we again try to carry AA's message. AA's message. And then so we have to think to ourselves, what is AA's message? And it, the AA's message is not that, you know, welcome aboard. We have a fellowship and sociability and all those things. The AA's message is, is that we have a, a chronic, fatal, progressive illness that only gets worse, never better. And it cannot be treated by abstinence, right? It won't, it, that, that no human power, no mental process, no new code of morals or better philosophy of a life will address it. And that our only hope is to find and access some power outside of ourselves if we are to live free of this merciless disease, right? And that we have a program, not a fellowship, that outlines a process, not the only process, but a process of accessing the needed power and incorporating this relationship into every aspect of our lives, right? I, that, I, I, that is, you know, if I, if I constantly read over and over again, that is what AA's message is, right? And so as a, as a recovered individual, what I found, if I, if I come in, regardless of what my problem is, if I come in and I'm trying to carry AA's message, my problem disappears. Right? When I'm focusing on the solution, I no longer have to worry about a problem I'm bringing to a meeting. It's always going to be resolved because I'm carrying this message into that meeting. And with that, I'll pass. Okay, thank you, Pete. Okay, well, we have less than 30 seconds, so I think I'll go ahead and wrap this baby up. Um, thank you to everyone who shared. Um, thank you for everyone who helped with this meeting today and um, everyone who pitched on the paragraph. So please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, June 3rd, 2020, 7 a.m. meeting is 14,742. That's 14742. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164 followed by the serenity prayer. Will Diane B. please read A Vision for You, our book is meant to be suggestive only, to the end of the chapter. Yes, thank you. This is Diane B. recovered in New Rochelle, New York. <clears throat> Excuse me. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. 
Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.